listening to Merciful Like the Father, a reflective resource for the season of Lent. This Lenten podcast, produced for the Jubilee of Mercy, invites prayer, conversation, thought and reflection. Each programme starts with a prayer to lead us into an attentiveness to the Word of God. We'll then hear a passage from the Scriptures which reveals something of God's tender, merciful love to us. Our reflection comes from the Benedictine Scripture scholar, Father Henry Wandsborough, who seeks to deepen our understanding of the way God reaches out in love. Finally, we pray our final prayer together. Jesus stands knocking at our door, inviting us to be open to him and to allow him to transform our lives with the love he brings. As we allow Christ to make his home within us this Lent, let us allow ourselves to rediscover the merciful face of the Father because we know his merciful love in Jesus. So let's begin with our prayer. Just a merciful God, true Lord of every house, sure delight of every heart, come into our midst today to speak your word and satisfy our hunger. Enable us to see you clearly, to welcome you with joy, and to give justice and mercy a place in our lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture passage is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 103. My soul give thanks to the Lord, all my being. Bless his holy name. My soul give thanks to the Lord and never forget all his blessings. It is he who forgives all your guilt, who heals every one of your ills, who redeems your life from the grave who crowns you with love and compassion, who fills your life with good things, renewing your youth like an eagle's. The Lord does deeds of justice, gives judgment for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to Israel's sons. The Lord is compassion and love, slow to anger and rich in mercy. His wrath will come to an end. He will not be angry forever. He does not treat us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our faults. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so strong is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins. As a father has compassion on his sons, the Lord has pity on those who fear him. For he knows of what we are made. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flowers like the flower of the field. The wind blows and he is gone, and his place never sees him again. But the love of the Lord is everlasting upon those who hold him in fear. His justice reaches out to children's children when they keep his covenant in truth, when they keep his will in their mind. The Lord has set his sway in heaven, and his kingdom is ruling over all. Give thanks to the Lord, all his angels, mighty in power, fulfilling his word, 
who heed the voice of his word. Give thanks to the Lord, all his hosts, his servants who do his will. Give thanks to the Lord, all his works, in every place where he rules. My soul, give thanks to the Lord. In his first reflection, Father Henry Wandsborough starts us on our Lenten journey by exploring divine mercy. Devotion to the divine mercy really began with a Polish nun called Faustina Kowalska. She had visions of Jesus and conversations with Jesus in the first half of the 20th century. She died in 1938. And he asked her to spread devotion to divine mercy. This was taken up by Pope John Paul II, who of course was also a Pope, and then now has been taken up by Pope Francis himself. And so we are asked to consider, to think about and to pray about divine mercy. The Divine Mercy Sunday, which already exists, is the Sunday after Easter. And so during Lent of this year, it's worthwhile making this a special center of our prayer and devotion and seeing how the readings which the Church puts before us during Lent all, or most, concentrate on mercy, the divine mercy, and then celebrating it especially on the Sunday after Easter. We're all used to that cry which we make at the beginning of the Eucharist. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison. And that is, Lord, have mercy. That is the very primitive cry to Jesus, to have mercy. You remember Bartimaeus, the blind beggar of Jericho, cried, Lord, son of David, have mercy. And they told him to be silent, and he cried all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then the father of the epileptic boy, who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He says, Lord, have mercy. So mercy is very important. And Jesus is the expression of the divine mercy, the expression of divine mercy coming to us. When Abraham was called, he didn't know who God was. He didn't know that God was eternal, didn't know that God was incorporeal. All he knew was that God would protect him. And this protector would be with him throughout his life. God called him to leave his comfort zone, to leave his homeland, his family, and to go out into the desert. And he didn't even have a son to support him. But he trusted in God, knew nothing about God, as ourselves. To begin with, we know very little about God, but we come to know more about God with prayer, with reflection and reading. Just as the chosen people, Abraham and his descendants, came to know gradually more about God. A most important moment was at the burning bush, when Moses was in the desert of Sinai and he saw a bush burning but not being consumed. And he went over to see what it was and realized that he was on holy ground. 
And God gave him a name, gave him his own name. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses says, when I go to Pharaoh, what shall I say? Who shall I say sent me? And God says, say that, and then that name is never pronounced. It's too sacred and too intimate. It's like the baby name which each of us has from our mothers. When we burnt ourselves or scraped a knee, we would go crying to mummy. And she would say, darling, and use the baby name. So it's God's private name for Moses and for us. It's also an awesome name. It's too awesome and too intimate to be pronounced in public. God gave Moses his name, and that's a sign of friendship already. We're all aware at this time of the possibility of name theft, personality theft. So we don't give our names willingly, but God gives Moses his name. What it meant, Moses didn't know. In the Hebrew, that four letters has a doubtful meaning. We don't even know how it's pronounced. In Greek, it was translated as something to do with being. I am being, I am he who makes to be, I am he who is. But it wasn't clear what it meant at all. Possibly it meant, I am who I am, and you mind your own business. It's not until Moses and his people are in a disaster zone that God reveals what it means. Moses was given the Ten Commandments, which are a summary of how Israel is to behave if it's to be God's people. A great gift, opening the possibility of being God's people to Moses and his people. When Moses was coming down from the Jebel Musa, the mountain of Moses, with the two tablets of the Ten Commandments, he saw that his people had already gone to idolatry. They were worshipping the golden calf. Well, it was a golden bull, but it's called a calf to demean it. And he broke the tablets of stone. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. Let me die. I can't control this people. Moses said, let me see your face. God said, no man can see my face and live. So God put him in a cleft in the rock and passed before him and gave the first explanation of the name, the Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy and forgiveness, forgiving faults to thousands, generation after generation. And that was the meaning of the word, which is translated as the Lord. And that comes down the scriptures again and again. It appears as the meaning of God's name, as the essence of God. So it comes in the Psalms, sometimes complaint when Israel is in a bad situation. How can you do this to us? You who promised us your name, the God of mercy and forgiveness. Or it comes in gratitude and thanksgiving when things are going well. It comes in the story of Jonah. Jonah is sent to preach to the wicked city of Nineveh and threaten them with destruction. And they take notice of his preaching and everyone does penance. Even the animals go around in sackcloth. Even the animals refrain from eating and drinking for the whole time.
Meanwhile, Jonah sits on his hilltop opposite the city, waiting for it to be destroyed. And it isn't destroyed, and Jonah is furious. God says to him, have you a right to be furious just because I am sparing Nineveh? And Jonah says, ah, I should have known you're a God of mercy and forgiveness. So right through the Old Testament, that comes, the God of mercy and forgiveness. And then Jesus brings that divine mercy to be seen in all his actions, in gathering together sinners, in going out to fetch sinners, in healing, bringing to fulfillment the prophecies of Isaiah, that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the poor will have the gospel preached to them. That is the mercy of God. God's mercy is founded on two Hebrew words, which I want to explain a little. The first word is chesed, and this is family love. Blood is thicker than water. And I may not get on very well with my brother or sister, but when the chips are down, I won't let him down. I'll support him. And a Jewish family is always very close together. Family life is important for Jews. They support each other. The family supports each other. If I am in a desperate state and have to sell my ancestral land, then my nearest male relative has to buy it back for me and give it back to me. That's what family love is. If I get married and die without having a child, my nearest male relative marries my widow and brings up a child in my name, and that's my child. So that's the warmth of family love. There's a lovely passage in the prophet Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I brought my son out of Egypt, and I led him with the leading strings of love. It's the picture of a parent, father or mother, looking after the child with intimate and infinite love. The other word, the other Hebrew word is rachamim. Rechem, the singular, rachamim, the plural. And that rachamim is the word for womb, a mother's womb. And so the love is the instinctive love of the womb. It's a physical love almost, by which the mother knows when the child needs her, knows that there's something happening and she's got to run to the child. Or when the mother sees a car crashing at them and protects the child, the mother sacrifices herself. That is that love, which is the mercy of God. So the concept of divine mercy is not really the concept of not punishing where punishment is due, but it's the concept of infinite love, which goes as far as may be, as far as is needed, complete openness. So those two words, chesed and rachamim, tell us that God is love. God has infinite love for us and is open to us. Whatever we do, family love does not fail. Whatever we do, God's love does not fail us. And that is what we're celebrating with the idea of divine mercy. And during the course of this Lent, we will see the way this comes to expression in the Old Testament and especially in Jesus, in the life of Jesus and the activity of Jesus.
And we then, in this Lent, open ourselves to that love. Lent is not about giving up sugar and tea. It's about coming closer to Jesus, coming closer to the Lord. And in no way can we do this better than if we open ourselves and if we can manage to show something of that same love to other people. That same generosity, that openness. If we can actually live the Beatitudes and show the love which God promises in the Beatitudes, blessed are they, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Then we can come to celebrate the Sunday of Divine Mercy and the Sunday after Easter. Seeking to be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful, we pray our final prayer together. Loving Father, you are a God of mercy and compassion. We thank you for sending your Son Jesus into our world to show and teach us how to love. When we walk through the door of mercy during this holy year, may we open our hearts to you so that we may reflect your love, mercy and compassion in our families, communities and parishes. May we walk with Jesus through the streets of Galilee, comforting the sick, opening our arms to the little ones and sharing with the poor and searching out the marginalised in our society. May it be a year when barriers between us fall and reconciliation becomes possible. A year when our faith in your mercy is strengthened and we learn how to be your face of mercy in our world. Amen.